Yeah. You know, to me, failure needs to be my best friend in order for me to continue to grow as a person, to be better as a leader, to inspire others in our business to live their best life. Uh, I've never wanted to be someone that just wins easily. You know, someone looks at, at, at this business from the outside and they go, wow, you know, 300 plus million in revenue is a junk removal business. Wow. They got lucky because they were first. No, we didn't get lucky. We failed and failed. And it took us eight years to get to a million in revenue, which is very slow growth. Yet things started to take off over time because of the momentum and the sheer perseverance that went into this. Thanks for pressing play. This is Christopher Lockhead, Follow Your Different, where we celebrate the people, ideas, and companies that stand out. We're proud to be sponsored by Oracle NetSuite. To learn how to turbocharge the growth of your business, visit netsuite.com different today. And there, as a listener to this podcast, you will have the opportunity to set up a one-hour free growth review with an expert in your industry. Learn to get your grow on at netsuite.com different. Now, speaking of growth, on this episode, an entrepreneur that I've admired for years and uh, just got to meet him doing this podcast. His name is Brian Scudamore. He's the founder of the legendary 1-800-GOT-JUNK. That's right, 800-GOT-JUNK. He's here. They are the world's largest junk removal business, the self-described FedEx of junk, <laughs> which I've always loved from the first time I heard it. Uh, Brian's the author of a great new book with a title that I love. The title is called WTF, Willing to Fail, How Failure Can Be Your Key to Success. Brian and I have a great conversation that I know you'll love about entrepreneurship, perseverance, about how you can be a legendary entrepreneur even in a non-sexy field like junk removal. Um, we, of course, talk about why, legendary, why failure is so legendary and why all of us need to embrace our losery and a lot more. Go to Lockhead.com to check out the show notes for this episode. You'll get the key takeaways as well as learn more about Brian and his new book, uh, WTF, Willing to Fail. Now, hey-ho, let's go. People often say, why didn't I think of that? It's so simple. It's just a pickup truck and hauling away stuff from people's homes. But the gap that I saw years into the business was nobody had professionalized the company. Nobody had professionalized the space, rather. And we set out to build the FedEx of junk removal and add uniforms and friendliness. And it's, it's had a, a game-changing world on the space. I'll never forget that slogan. You had that in the early days. And um, I remember it was on your homepage for a while, was it not? Uh, the stash of trash in a flash slogan? <laughs> well, that and the FedEx of junk. Oh, the FedEx of junk removal. Yeah. So FedEx of junk removal, that was just, we were trying to give people a sense of what is it that we're really trying to create? We're differentiating ourselves. When you look at Starbucks, a brand I love and how they were creating a third place, if you look at what the coffee space used to be, mom and pop coffee shops on every corner. And now it's a brand we identify with that we go into in whatever city we're traveling in. I wanted to do the same thing. I wanted to FedEx the junk removal space. It's such genius. And I also, I seem to remember, um, and I, geez, I hope I'm remembering this right. <laughs> At one point on your homepage, 
you had some wonderful headline about like our junk removal process or something to that effect. Number one, you have junk. Number two, you call us <laughs> to come get the junk. And number right. three, we take away the junk or something like that. Do, is, am I remembering this? Yeah, you know, you've got a great, you got a great memory, better one than me, but it's one of those things where I remember we just wanted to lay out the process and we've even brought the three-step process down to just simply you point junk disappears. And that's, <laughs> uh, that's Roy Williams, the wizard of ads and his magic capturing the magic in our brand saying, really all you do is point. And we did radio commercials and TV where you've got people now to the point being so familiar with the brand that our truck teams will show up and customers will start pointing. Will you take that? And that and that poof, you know, and so they're they're kind of mocking us in a fun way. Yeah, and so uh, and, and so how fun! Now, if I remember your story right, um, you were in college and you needed to just pay the bills, and so you started doing this. Am I remembering this one right as well? Yeah, you, you're close. So okay. the story the story was I never finished high school. I talked my way into college. And I had to find a way to fund my college education. My parents, my dad's a liver transplant surgeon. And I remember he said, what, what, I'm what? Fund your, your dad's college. a what? A liver transplant surgeon. Wow. And so he's done more schooling than anyone I know. And he wasn't going to fund my college degree if I couldn't even finish high school. And so, so he I, was tough on you. He was tough on me. He was definitely a tough dad. But looking back, I appreciate that my dad taught me a work ethic he taught me how to have passion for something. He taught me how to make my own decisions and find my way. So even when I sat down with him in 1993 with a year left of my degree and I said, Dad, I got some good news for you. I'm dropping out of university. And he said, how does that appear to be good news? And I said, <laughs> well, I'm learning so much more about business by running one more than I was starting in, you know, studying in school. And I made a tough decision, one he did not agree with but he did tell me and taught me how to make decisions and stick to my guns. Now, the other thing I find fascinating about you, and I'm very, I've been dying to ask you this question, Brian. Um, legendary entrepreneurs see a problem that either others don't see at all or they see it in a unique or different way. And as a result of looking at that problem in that way, of course, then they then have a solution to that problem. And so... I'm curious sort of how this evolution of identifying this uh, strategic junk removal problem um, mm -hmm. evolved in your mind. Like how, where did that aha come from or did, how did it happen over time? Or, you know, well, take me through it if you could. Yeah. And it's interesting. I, I, you know, I might weigh in on that, on that debate a little bit, or I might create a little debate that I, I don't know that entrepreneurs necessarily look at something and say, there's a problem and I want to put a solution in, in place or, it might be that they've come up with something because of an opportunity for me, a way to pay for college. Fred DeLuca, who was a mentor of mine who uh, needed to pay for his university for medical school, which he never ended up completing, but he started the business Subway. And so I think what entrepreneurs often do is they see the opportunity, they jump on it, but then they see problems start to appear. And what they do is they, they iterate. So for me, it was never about junk removal. It was about college. It then became, after several years, me seeing an opportunity that what I chanced upon, this junk removal business, wow, every time I traveled to the United States or went to any major city, I saw beat up old pickup trucks, plywood sides, just like I had, hauling away junk. 
But the opportunity that presented itself to me or one that I spotted by thinking differently was how come no one's FedEx this? How come no one's professionalized this space? And I think the same thing again with Fred DeLuca, or you can take uh, Zuckerberg from uh, Facebook. You know, what he tried to do and the opportunity of getting to know fellow students and getting the word out there and, and connect people in one school became Facebook. I don't think he intended to create Facebook in the same way that I didn't intend to revolutionize the junk removal space. And so was it just a matter of he needed to pay the bills as a student? Uh, you thought, well... I have a truck, I can do this. Mm -hmm. And then this aha that you could professionalize it, you could FedEx junk, when did that happen? That was about 1993 when I left college and I focused on this full time. I started to really see that we could do it more professionally than others. So that meant having our ads for the company was called the Rubbish Boys at the time and our phone number was 738-JUNK. We had those emblazoned off across the sides of the trucks. But I think that the whole FedEx concept started to come about 10 years after I had created the business. A million dollars in business after eight years, the business started to look, feel, and act very much like a franchise after reading a book called uh, The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. And I think at that point- One of point, my all-time favorites, Brian. And I love that he uh, is such a fan of your book. Of course, it makes sense. Um, but and I hate to interrupt you, but you know, I read that book early in my business career as well. And, and, and so tell me about why the E-Myth was so important. Yeah, well, you know, so I'm not much of a, of a reader. Um, yes, I've just written a book, WTF, Willing to Fail, but it's a different thing for me to try and actually pick up books and read them. But somehow someone told me when I tried to franchise my business, they said, you got to read this book, The E-Myth. I think that'll give you some clarity. And Michael Gerber said, if you want to franchise your business, you want to grow and scale, systematize it, create the processes. Even if you don't want to franchise, if you want to just scale a business, set it up like a franchise. And sure enough, mine started to look, feel, and act so much like a franchise that I ultimately chose that model. And what I think inspired me about the book is it was so simple. It really talked about if you want to scale a business, work on your business, not just in it. Create the systems that will allow you to scale. So true story, I read the book once. I was sitting on a beach, and I actually, once I closed that last page, I opened it up and read it again. And it had such an impact that I really wanted to make sure I captured the key messages in the book. And then I set out to emit my business. And it's funny because uh, Michael Gerber is 82 today. I uh, did a little birthday video for him for his 82nd birthday. He's been a fantastic mentor and friend. And uh, just love what he's created in that whole e-myth process. I just think that's so cool. Um, I, you know, the book had a similar impact on, on me. And uh, he's absolutely one of my heroes. And um, not knowing that, of course, just as an observer, as I saw your business take off, because uh, I don't know if you realize, I, I grew up in Montreal, Canada, and I lived in Toronto for years. And mm -hmm. um, so you and I are both Canadians. Anyway, uh, you know, so I paid, I paid attention. I spent time in Vancouver, and, and you were always just one of those businesses, those small e entrepreneurial businesses that I loved. Mm -hmm. and, and not just because of everything we just talked about, but also you saw an opportunity um, to really... Uh, what I would describe as design a whole category here. You created a market that did not exist before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's what we've tried to do with 
brands that have come after 1-800-GOT-JUNK under the O2E brands umbrella, which stands for ordinary to exceptional. If you think of our why and what it is we're trying to create is we take ordinary businesses and make them exceptional through customer service, whether it be junk removal or whether it be the house painting industry. But we're also trying to take ordinary people like me, a high school dropout, a college dropout, and helping make leaders exceptional entrepreneurs. And so O2E Brands, uh, if I look at Wow One Day Painting as an example, fragmented mom and pop painting space, nothing sexy about it, but we're able to take a space, as you said, that just doesn't have the professionalism and add systems and add branding and add all these ingredients that make it what it is today. And so uh, how do you think about it from a... Um you know, from a category perspective, how do you convince the world that um, a ordinary thing that is done maybe in a less professional way and a less uh, repeatable way where there aren't maybe national brands that, that are trustworthy and reliable and, and, and so forth, um, how do you convince the world that a category like junk or paint or whatever it is um, needs to have that kind of uh, professional, national, international uh, kind of outfit? Well, I think we connect with brands. I think people love this concept of love marks, you know, a brand that they adore, that they can connect with. And so I don't know if we ever try and convince anybody. I, I believe instead of trying to tell people, I believe in a show don't tell type philosophy. So we show people. When we show up in clean, shiny trucks with friendly uniform drivers, people go, wow, you guys are awesome. When we do follow-up calls to, to gauge someone's net promoter score, what did they think of the service? What can we learn? They tell us. They say things back to us that we know matter to them that they're actually preaching back our own brand saying, you know, your, your guys are friendly, your trucks are clean and shiny. You know, we created that. So we're just creating a brand and believing what we believe in and then letting our customers tell us yeah, we see that's important or not important and off the brand grows. I, I just love how simple it is. You know, I'm, I'm involved with this nonprofit, uh, Brian, called One Life Fully Lived, started by my dear friend Tim Rode. And he, uh, like like you and like me, uh, started as a small entrepreneur and as a kid to, to kind of make money, he just spray painted the numbers, the sign, uh, the um street numbers on right. the side of the road of homes, you know, for however yeah. many bucks it was, right? Just to make sure. a living. And, you know, I delivered newspapers as a kid and, you know, it, it, I got thrown out of school. I didn't graduate high school either. <laughs> love it, love it. But so it's just so funny to me that like um, in these, and I love that you call it ordinary or ordinary to exceptional, right? I, I love that in these ordinary drab places where most people wouldn't bother to look, um, you know, you've looked and you've made incredible things happen. It's so freaking cool. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to be doing blockchain AI. <laughs> no. And, and, you know, I think there's a lot of young entrepreneurs and I don't just mean young in age, but young in their, their starting cycle of building a business where people think, oh, it's gotta be an app. It's gotta be sexy. It's gotta be easy. It's gotta have some technology, but I meet people that are in the, the Bitcoin blockchain world and, frankly, they don't really understand what they're getting into. Yeah. And so I think simplicity 
is an incredibly important part of whatever someone might build. Now, nanotechnology and all this sort of great stuff that people are doing to change the world, that's important, amazing work, but it doesn't have to be that direction. People can really go with something simple. Yeah. Now, we have this word around here um, called losery that I made up to make failure sound better. You know how you know how the Australians have like a, a cute name for everything? They call everything. sunglasses sunnies and board shorts boardies and they make everything sound awesome. And so losery is my attempt to make failure or losing uh, sound That's better good. than it actually is. Uh, and I've sure had a lot of losery in my life. And so I'm, mm -hmm. I'm very curious, you know, why a guy like you who on the surface, uh, you're the epitome of success, um, you know, you named your book Willing to Fail, WTF. Yeah, you know, to me, failure needs to be my best friend in order for me to continue to grow as a person, to be better as a leader, to inspire others in our business to live their best life. Uh, I, I've never wanted to be someone that just wins easily. You know, someone looks at, at, at this business from the outside and they go, wow, you know, 300 plus million in revenue is a junk removal business. Wow. They got lucky because they were first. No, we didn't get lucky. We failed and failed. And it took us eight years to get to a million in revenue, which is very slow growth. Yet things started to take off over time because of the momentum and the sheer perseverance that went into this. So if I look at the, the things, you know, in, in writing the book, so Roy Williams and I wrote the book, and the title we started with, this was Roy's idea, was Happy Like Me. He said, you're such a positive, happy guy. Tell stories of happiness and make yeah. it you know, happy like you. And uh, I said, I didn't love the title, but he said, don't worry about the title. The title will come when we're done the book. And sure enough, it did. The theme that was woven throughout was, was failure. And so we came up with this fun WTF. I mean, it's, it's what you ask yourself or say to yourself when one of these moments is happening. But it's also one of those things where you go, okay, now that it's happening, what am I learning? What am I going to do differently? And so celebrating failure, we really have a WTF mentality at the junction, our head office, and with our franchise partners. We want people to make mistakes, but we want the learning from it. A mistake without learning is, is, is useless. And so I've never wanted the type of success that's easy. I've never wanted, you know, what happens when we, when we win as human beings and we have success without failure? I think it often feels unearned. It feels like a hollow victory. But wouldn't you rather taste the type of success where you've, you've gone through disappointment and regret, longing, and you, you just somehow persevere and endure and get through even when it seems like at times giving up was the best option available at hand but you didn't give up? Those, those are the kind of stories I want to be telling. A absolutely and um you know because i feel that very much in my own life um i've lost more money than i'll ever make and i have uh um sort of w screamed and punched and cried more than i've cheered and <laughs> uh, hopefully sure. i've laughed through a lot of it but anyways uh, all that sounds right and true and it is absolutely for me and in those moments of losery, it fucking sucks. And so how do you deal with that failure? How do you deal with eight years to get to a million? How do you deal with all the setbacks along the way? Because it really does suck. And and it sucks in a, in a way where not only is there the hurt of the thing, 
but there's also the sort of the death of the future that you are trying to create because in your mind you're like well if i'm failing now then maybe i'm not going to get to where i want to be and you know so there's it can be really a giant bummer and so how do you how do you deal with all that yeah no you're right i mean it, it, let's be real it does suck it does suck when it's happening but i think it's a, a paradigm shift to be able to to sort of step out of your body if you will and go hold on this is happening and you're right christopher says it sucks it does suck but how do you look down on yourself and go i'm going to learn something from this i'm going to allow the learning to present itself i'm going to have the courage to say okay cool another failure and to know that this was a stepping stone towards a greater place when i fired all 11 employees in 1994 it was hard going from five trucks down to one. It's all I can drive at a time. And there I am trying to rebuild my business. And it effing sucked, as you said. But I will say, you know what? Thank goodness it happened then because I would hate to take my 500 plus employees now and have to get rid of them because I couldn't make the business work. Yeah. I learned about finding the right people and treating them right because of that painful failure. But it made me a better person and it made us better, uh, a better company. Wow. Very, very well said, Brian. The other thing I'd be curious to get your feedback on, one of the things I've tried to do in, in my life is to realize when I embark on any project that I feel is a worthy project, you know, something I want to spend some time with, um, I, I sort of acknowledge a couple things. One, that, that the real gift, the real reward is that you get to go on the journey, right? Mm -hmm. And so the mm -hmm. destination is that you get to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's no, like, there's no thing that you master that you would, if, if you could master it in, in a day or an hour, then it wouldn't be anything that mattered to you. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the, it, you sort of, um, to your point, um, what makes it worthwhile is the challenge and the losery that is therefore going to happen along the way. And then I try to tell myself, look, there's going to be losery, man. Like it's going to hurt. It's going to be problematic. You're going to want to quit uh, all that kind of stuff. And, and in, in a weird way, that's kind of the point, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, or, or at least is part of the point. But, but how do you think about it? Yeah, I think, you know, losery, failure, whatever it is, you've got to, I like that you mock the word a little bit, right? You're not, you're taking yourself seriously, but not the failure. You know, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm a loser. It's losery. It's okay. Let's move on. Um, I think if people, you know, so I, I look at it this way, my, uh, one of my children, I remember a few years back, she would, I'd pick her up from ski school and she'd say to me or she'd say to mom, you know, oh, I fell today and it hurt and this and that. And I remember saying to her one night, I said, listen, like skiing, when you're learning, you're going to fall. You know, it's, it's just part of the sport. But what you got to do is know that each fall you have will teach you how to stop falling and teach you how to get better at skiing so you can enjoy it. And it was funny because the next day she went to ski school and uh, pick her up at the end of the day. She's like, guess what? I fell today. It was awesome. <laughs> and somehow getting her to see and shift her mindset to going, okay, falling yeah. is okay. It doesn't mean I fail. It doesn't mean, mean people are making fun of me and laughing. It means I'm learning and I'm going to get better. Yeah. And I think if people can take that simple philosophy, nobody wants to fail but you need to fail to get to success because you can take a plan. I mean, I have never met one entrepreneur on the planet. I've met 
thousands upon thousands of them. I've never met one who said, yeah, I wrote a plan and I went out and did it. The ones that are successful wrote a plan. It didn't work. They changed the plan. They added to the plan, took away. They needed to learn over years. And, you know, someone smart once said these overnight success stories sure take a long time. Yeah. I mean, hell, hell yeah. 29 years of building this this 1-800-GOD junk. This junk business. You're coming uh-huh. up on your 30th junk anniversary. Yeah, but, I, <laughs> but I'm loving it. I'm loving it and I'm loving life. And it's because I've learned, you know, it must have been 15 years ago that I realized it is about the journey. It's yeah. not about the destination. We talk about building a billion dollar business just because we know we can and it's a fun challenge. But that'll be probably one of the most boring days in the career uh, uh, of our business is the day we hit a billion. Because we'll already have hit it in our mind. We'll right. already have celebrated it. And the real enjoyment comes from the challenge to get there. Isn't that the craziest fucking thing? Uh, like you aim for this goal and it's this big goal and and then you hit the goal and you're like that's awesome and the next morning you wake up and you got to take a poop and you got to like it's just right like um and so there's something funny about that that it's like it's 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 awesome and you should celebrate it like you know a sports team celebrates a world championship or something like that yeah. But the reality is the next morning you wake up and you're still you and life's still but life. I, and But I think when we realize how each one of us operates, so a realization I had maybe three years ago, and so it took me 45 years to get to this realization. I love Christmas. I love the holiday season. Every single night has to be a Christmas movie. You got to have the eggnog, the, the, the warm drinks. I mean, whatever, right? And I just, I love the Christmas season. But Christmas, I find I'm always disappointed on Christmas Day. And I find it sad and disappointing. But I had this realization, it's the journey. It's Thanksgiving, U.S. Thanksgiving, all the way up to December 24th. That's amazing. And you know what? December 24th can be not that great. It's never going to meet my expectations. But now that I accept that, when I accept that on the 25th, the kids are going to get up way too early. They're going to be grouchy because they've had so much sugar and chocolate for breakfast. They're going to be way too loud. They're going to leave garbage all over the house. Toys are going to break and they're going to cry. It's like, it's not my (laughs) expectations. It, It doesn't have the magic. But the magic to me is leading up to the 25th and enjoying that and having a clear mind of what the future is going to look like has made it all okay. It's so great. And it's such a powerful aha. And uh, I, like you, it took me a long time to sort of get there. And it also, maybe you can help me with this. Um, The adjustment to that realization, Mm -hmm. you know, the way I would say it is, and it sounds sort of weird, but I don't really have goals like I used to have, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I, I do have goals. There's things I'm striving to and and so forth. But uh, as a younger guy, there was like this, uh, you know, I got to go out. I got to tackle this thing. I got to prove this thing. I got to build this thing. I got yeah, I, I to make it. You know, the question in my life early in my life was, is Christopher even going to make it kind of thing? And so, you know, there's this, there's this, uh, this battle you're fighting there's this mountain you're climbing and then one day you realize that um yes there are more mountains you want to go climb but the sort of the maybe i'm not saying this very well but sort of the way it. you the way you think about it has shifted dramatically because of what we just talked about brian because you realize that particularly if you answered the question you know 
is am I going to make it? Am I going to be okay? Can I pay the rent? Can I am I can I have some mm-hmm. kind of a lot? You know, once you sort of get that shit handled, then it's like okay, so you know, a fourth car is not as good, right? The 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 twenty seventh Porsche or, or or Mustang or whatever your thing is. You know, or like watches, you know, your first awesome watch is like, oh, and then, you know, you're not your 78th awesome watch is right. not the same. I don't have 78 watches, but sure, that's what I'm trying to communicate. You realize that your life is still your life. Mm-hmm. I think it's understanding what makes you tick. And we're all different. I, I'm not a money guy at all. I talk about a billion in revenue just because I know it's a big challenge to think, well, what if, how could we get there? you know, the, the opportunity of just working together as a team to rally around that goal. But I, I drive a Toyota pickup truck. Um, I don't have a fancy, massive house. Like, I, I, I'm not a guy that would have a second, third, fourth, fifth car and all these sports cars because that wouldn't drive me. I would rather see people in our company have the things and the people and the opportunities they want to surround them. And so I think it's just the expectation of what makes us tick. What makes us happy? And then sticking to that. And like you said about goals, I, I've shifted my way of goal setting as well in the sense where I used to be a, obsessed about a goal saying this has to happen. I'll look at a goal and I'll say, well, so what if it doesn't? Something else great will happen. I, I'll go that direction of the goal and I'll work my butt off to try and make that goal happen. But I don't just attach myself to that outcome. outcome. I free myself up for other cool things that could happen yeah. if I shift directions. You know, that reminds me of one of, fa- my, one of my favorite old sayings, which is success is about failing in the right direction, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. We start off here to your point. You think we're, we think we're going to be doing this and then maybe this doesn't go, but then that, you know, like my first business failed terribly, mm-hmm. but then I got a great job at a startup and that led to mm-hmm. other things, which led to other, you know, and so had my first business been successful, I don't know, maybe I would have been you, um, but the fact that it failed um, led to a whole led to a whole bunch of other great things. So um, you also gain that with with time. Um, mm. Now I do really want to ask you. Uh, uh, Cameron has been on uh, this podcast a couple times. Awesome. And uh, in a world of management guru assholes, and there's a <laughs> lot of them. This man is a giant. I mean, he he blew me away. Um, and so uh, I got to ask you about uh, working with him and how the mm-hmm. two of you kind of came together to, mm-hmm. particularly to scale the business. I get the idea and the aha, mm-hmm. but I'm very curious. Okay, so now how do you actually scale up this junk removal business? Yeah, so Cameron was in my forum group in EO, the entrepreneur organization, which I'm hugely grateful for that organization, learned so much and still continue to as, to, as a member. So Cameron was in my forum and Cameron said, oh, I'd never work with you. And, uh, you know, we had lots of fun together and we were great friends, but he just, uh, for some reason, had that feeling. And so he left a business he was at and I said, hey, can you come help with a couple of things I need some help with? So he came in and consulted for an hourly wage and three weeks in, he was having so much fun and loved it and decided to stay. And uh, we had this conversation about, remember the time when you said you'd never work with me? Uh, Here you are. And so we went from 2 million in revenue where I got it to pre-Cameron to 106 million in revenue. But something started to happen after, you know, the seven awesome years of working together. We were joined at the hip. We loved working together. And uh, what was interesting is, you know, you take nitroglycerin, you you have a a separate ingredients, they're inert. 
you put them together and boom. Cameron and I were both very fire ready aim types. And you can't have at a hundred million dollar business, two leaders that are ADD who want to just make crazy rapid fire decisions without necessarily being as planful. So, you know, yeah. So taking someone who, you know, I was the best man in his wedding, super close friends to then say, Oh man, you got to get your best friend out of the business. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't a partner, but he, he ran it like he was. Right. And I, sat down with Cameron and just said, you know, this isn't working out and we need to make a change. Wow. But, a- amazing how, uh, uh, well, you tell me, how, how's your relationship been since then? Yeah. So I was going to say that, you know, so many great things have happened because of Cameron. So I dropped off a WTF book at his house the other day and uh, the inscription was something like, I mean, I wouldn't have had any chance without him. Like he was so much a part of the story and continues to be, he's a great friend I was over there for a glass of wine a couple of weeks ago. We chat constantly. We're always on the phone or texting each other, and we've been great cheerleaders and friends in each other's courts. Um, fortunately, I, you know, I think it was obviously a painful time for him. I mean, it's a tough sure. thing to leave something that you've been such a key part of. But he would tell you, and he might have said this if he was on your podcast, that it was the right call for both of us. He has become this massive TEDx speaker and been on the TED stage so many times. He's got three more books than I do. He's got the speaking circuit, consultancy, coaching thing that he does, and he's on fire. So he's and done he's a fantastic so good. job. He's so, so good. Like, and he's so clear, like, you know, the whole uh, m- meetings don't suck. You do. Like, uh, that yeah. shit, that he, and that, you know, he, that stuff comes out of him at light speed. I don't have to tell you that, of course. But yeah, sure, sure. It just, it's, all that is so good. Like, there's just... I don't know. He's so uh, in a world of management, uh, bizno babble, like his clarity. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm stoked for his success. Up. Yeah. He's yeah. a straight shooter. And, you know, one of the best parts of the story is so while that happened, that failure, the learning of needing a, a different type of leader to take us to the next level, we were at, at about $100 million in revenue when Cameron was one of three people that introduced me to a gentleman named Eric Church, not the country singer for those that are fans, but uh, Cameron and Eric were in the same fraternity together in Ottawa. And he introduced me to Eric and Eric is our COO and president. He has taken us from uh, a little less than a hundred million at the time in 2011 to uh, almost four times that. And uh, he's, he's the rigor and the discipline, this two in the box model that's taken us to a a whole new level. That's, uh, uh, there's so much, it's great about that story. I I think the thing maybe just to underscore is so often in business, um, partnerships break up or people, you know, um, leave or get fired or, or whatever it is. Of course, it ends up being a negative thing and whatever relationship was there goes away or, or Mm -hmm. significantly damaged. It's a pretty powerful thing when that can happen, um, and, and then the relationship it sounds like has, has has grown over the years. So you know, and of course, the business has continued to do well, or well is probably a a, a, a mild way of putting it. So, what's the secret to scaling a business like this, Brian? Yeah, I wish there was a secret. I mean, you know, I think there's different ingredients into that secret. Number one for me has always been having a vision. I remember uh, eight years into the business when we were at about a million in revenue and I joined EO, I started comparing myself to others. 
people with $10 million businesses and $100 million businesses and these sexy tech companies. Here I am, this junk removal, high school dropout, you know, guy going, ah, gee, I don't know if I'm on to the right track here. And what I did is I said, okay, I'm in a bit of a depression, a doom loop here. I went to my parents' summer cottage, sat on their dock, pulled out a sheet of paper and one page double-sided. I envisioned out the five-year future for 1-800-GOT-JUNK. We'd be the FedEx of junk removal, clean, shiny trucks, friendly, uniform drivers. We would be on the Oprah Winfrey show. We would be all these great things, the top 30 metros in North America. And everything we envisioned, for the most part, happened. And it happened by that time frame because, to me, I crystal balled the future. I said, this is where we're going to go. I didn't know how to get there. It took someone like a Cameron Herald to help me get there. And it took others years later to continue on the story. But for me, vision is one of the big secrets of scaling a business, knowing what it looks like and then not getting bogged down or getting down on some of the details of how is this going to happen? I didn't finish high school. I don't have the money. I don't have the skill, whatever it might be. Just think of what if, just dream up pure possibility. And the world's best leaders, you look at Google's and, and the Apple's of the world, the Amazon's. I mean, all three of those stories are spaces where people just dreamed up from a, a, a nothing business that became world-class brands. Uh, you know, uh, coffee with Starbucks or uh, Subway for sandwiches. I mean, you know, there's nothing fancy about coffee and sandwiches, <laughs> but it, it, it can be done if you've got a vision. That's incredible. Uh, well, Brian, this has been an awesome conversation. Um, before we kick out of this one, anything else you'd like to add? You know what? You, this has been really fun because you ask, I've been on a lot of podcasts, but you ask some, uh, some really fantastic questions. Um, it's got me being uh, introspective and reflective, and I, I appreciate that. I mean, um, you might get something out of this conversation, but I'm getting probably a lot more by the questions you've asked. So I don't think I have anything to add. I'm, my brain is full and I'm grateful for the opportunity. And I, uh, I love your style. You got a, you got a good, uh, a good attitude about you and uh, a lot of similarities in the way we think. Well, thank you for those kind words, Brian. I have been a fan of yours for how old's the business now? When did you change from rubbish boys to 800 junk? Uh, it would have been 19 years ago. Uh, what year is that? Help me. Uh, uh, probably yeah. so 19, 1989 I started. Yeah, yeah so okay. probably 1999. Yeah. So, I, you know, I don't know exactly when I would have heard of you, but it would have been right. fairly early, you know, as a Canadian and stuff mm -hmm. and always loving uh, to see Canadian entrepreneurs do so well. So I have admired you from afar, obviously gotten to know Cameron a little bit and become a huge fan of his. So I just awesome. want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for... Uh, giving me this time. And I want you to know you are welcome back anytime you want. If there's things on your mind or something you're learning or working on, you want to come and have a conversation with me about it. Um, uh, you're welcome. Very on, cool. uh, you're welcome to come do that anytime you want, Brian. Awesome. Well, thanks, Christopher. Do you have a book? Because if not, I got to send you one. Um, I, I thought your publicist was going to send me one, but it didn't get here in time for this conversation. So there may be one okay. in flight. <laughs> there, there must be one. Yeah, there must be one on the way. It's been really interesting with the whole Canada Post strike. Uh, it's been interesting with just Amazon seems to be growing so quickly that couriers can't keep up and, and get packages out because it's incredible the de delays we've experienced. Uh, so I'm, uh, so, what so, a bummer. So one, yeah, so one would be on the way for sure then. I'm glad to hear that. And, well, uh, I, I can't wait because, um, like I said, I've been a big fan for a long time, and this conversation's been awesome, and I have no doubt that the book is awesome. Cool. Um, 
So thank you, Brian, and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks so much, Christopher. Stay Have a good one, my friend. You too. You too, man. Bye-bye. Whew. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Brian as much as I did, and I want to thank you so much for hanging out with us. Now, are you still struggling with QuickBooks? Are you tired of uh, uh, trying to uh, stick handle around aging business systems, fragmented, crappy reports, and never-ending increased IT costs? Maybe it's time to switch from QuickBooks to NetSuite's cloud solution that enables you to lower costs, streamline key business processes, boost productivity, and become a lot more competitive. With NetSuite, you can manage your business end-to-end with one integrated business suite for all of your core processes, from selling to inventory to accounts receivable to uh, uh, order management, accounts payable, the whole thing. NetSuite is the number one cloud ERP offering, and it is the platform for growth for high-growth entrepreneurial businesses. So if you want to stop wasting time and resources on upgrading and maintaining a hairball of on-premise software, maybe it's time to move to the cloud with NetSuite. Go to netsuite.com different today. And while you're there, you can set up a time for a free one-hour growth review with an expert in your industry. That's right, a free growth review with an expert at netsuite.com slash different. Now, if you're looking for us, you can check us out at Lockhead, L-O-C-H-H-E-A-D dot com. Again, the show notes, uh, we put a lot of effort into those. There's key takeaways in there, and there's always links to, in this case, uh, the WTF book from Brian and how to get a hold of him. Um, also, while you're on Lockhead.com, subscribe, because even if you subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Player FM or Overcast or any of the podcast players, we don't know you're there. The only way we know you're there is if you subscribe on Lockhead.com. We never, ever will sell your name to anybody. Uh, doesn't matter how much they offer us. <laughs> and uh, we're going to only email you when we think there's something to email. We've been uh, terrible about emailing, so it's been over a month. So <laughs> we won't bombard you, I promise. Lockhead.com. And if you want to email uh, here, uh, email us here at the podcast and email to blackhole at lockhead.com. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lockhead. All right. We would like to thank... The new book, the awesome new book, WTF, Willing to Fail, How Failure Can Be Your Key to Success with our friend and guest today, Brian Scudamore. Um, A podcast that I love, the Mission Daily Podcast, a podcast for smart people who want to get a lot smarter. This is one of the fastest growing podcasts out there. The number one bestseller from Heather Clancy and myself, Niche Down, How to Become Legendary by Being Different. Why not check it out on Amazon.com today? One of my favorite nonprofits, OneLifeFullyLive.org, where we help you dream, plan, and live your best life. And uh, if you're an entrepreneur, you work in the entrepreneurial world, you need to check out GrowWire.com. There's a ton of great content on here, folks, uh, about innovation, growth, uh, new strategies, new technologies, new approaches. There's a podcast. There's a YouTube channel. Check out GrowWire.com. Now, if you're an entrepreneur and you're looking for some help so that you can scale yourself, why not think about a virtual assistant? That's right. They're cost-effective, and man, they help you get a lot of SHIT done. Check out bottleneck.online. That's bottleneck.online to learn about the power of a virtual assistant today. And another uh, nonprofit that I love, Habitat for Humanity. Habitat's vision is simple. A a world where everyone has a decent place to live. Check out habitat.org. 
All right, I need to remind you that this Oddcast is the sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network, and we would love you. Make no mistake. If you care about what we do, if you want to say thank you, um, even if you don't really care that much, (laughs) why not share this episode on social media? Your shares make the biggest difference you can imagine to our growth. Um, now, we must warn you that this podcast is clearly produced in a studio that does contain nuts. Remember, teach kids it's okay to fail. Support your local entrepreneurs. Remember the sage words of uh, Tom Waits, who said, Fishing for a good time starts with throwing in your line. Don't forget to buy John's crazy socks. Don't be lame. Get out of the passing lane. It's not a cruising lane. Uh, thank you so much, Candy Dandy. Love you, Mom and Dad. And hey, Colin, this oddcast really ties the room together, doesn't it? Today, our deepest apologies go to Richard Kelly, chairman of Pacific Gas and Electric. Sorry, Dick. We just ran out of time for you. That's it, my friends. Thank you so much. It means the world to me that you would invest part of your life with us. And uh, until next time, follow your difference.